You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN GameScoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week are Sam Claiborne. Hey, everybody. Justin Davis. Scoop. And sitting in for Tina Amini this week is Michael Swaim, good friend of the show. Swaim, Scoop. Welcome you can't back. say it yourself. You can't say that. You have somebody else oh, is that, that. banned? I he says know. it every time. He says it. No, 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 no one else has ever said Swaim. it. Okay. Yeah. What do I say? I got nothing. So you just sit quietly and then we do 20 questions in 40 minutes. He's like, you just respect the host's time and the audience and you shut up. Look, Damon's been doing this for a long time. We were just talking about this. Yeah, yeah, this is episode 627, I believe. Anyway, uh, we've got a great show for you this week. We are going to talk about Xbox and Bethesda's E3 showcase, which has been officially announced. We're going to talk about this new AI PlayStation is developing. Sounds like fancy bots that will be able to play alongside you. But first, we have just witnessed the first gameplay reveal for Horizon Forbidden West just moments ago. Um, So we can react to that. Let's get this out there first, though. They did not announce a release date or release window, so we do not know yet when we're going to get to play Horizon Forbidden West, but it's looking very pretty. It's looking maybe not revolutionary, maybe very similar to the first game. The question in my mind going into this was, did they Breath of the Wild eyes it? And the answer, I think, is kind of. No, No, I don't think so. No, not at all. I thought they clearly went a different direction. Yeah, I think I agree with Justin. I was hoping they would Breath of the Wild eyes it a bit more, honestly. I was hoping so, too. It It seems like you still can't climb anything. But there are certain spots for free climbing oh. that you can highlight in the environment. All right. And there's well, also a, a hang glider thing. It's like, 
Well, I want to point out, by the way, that certain spots for free climbing is the opposite of free climbing. That's just <laughs> climb where you're allowed to climb. That's called shoots and ladders. Yet I did, um, I did enjoy that you actually have to scan to make the yellow tags appear because it bothered me the implication that this primordial world was covered with yellow paint anywhere you happen to be able to climb a surface. So did you it, know that that, that yeah. paint got all over Resident Evil also? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the same shade of yellow, too. Very mm-hmm. interesting. And that's such a it's one of those video gamey things where like we just we just kind of accept it because we have to, you know, any game that has traversal has to kind of mark to the player where you're allowed to go. But like it is it is silly when you think about it. And I always enjoy games that come up with, you know, sort of an in-universe justification like the uh, like the wind in Ghosts of Tsushima is a great example of Mm -hmm. like putting a new spin on something like that. And Horizon uh, Forbidden West seems like it's sort of. Taking that in a fun direction. Or too. Bowser Jr. in the disguise of Phantom Mario with a paintbrush. Uh-huh. Actually uh-huh. painting things. In uh in Resident Evil, to be fair, it's not always yellow paint. Sometimes it's just a trail of gore. <laughs> True. Yep. I know a lot of Assassin's Creed aficionados who sort of feel like it lost something when it got to the point where you could just hold X and sort of scale any surface. So there is like the traversal puzzle problem, but I do think Breath of the Wild, for a lot of us, uh, reached a system, a combination of systems that just feels perfect. And a lot of us after playing Breath of the Wild felt like, well, that's just how climbing's going to be in games from now on. Yeah. And I, I, for one, am surprised that it's not really. No one really picked up on that. Nope. Just well, the Assassin's Creed franchise. And before yeah. that, uh, Shadow of the Colossus had done basically the same climbing system. And uh, r- really, really, you know, to great effect, especially with things that you're climbing that are moving. And it's like, that's my favorite part of those, you know, those games is, is the thought that goes into that. And then it makes the traversal of vertical things a big puzzle to solve and one that you try to outwit the game on. Like you try to find yeah. little nooks and crannies to stop and pause and catch your breath in. And it becomes like its own game. And I love it. I love that part of it. It's not annoying to me. It's not you know, cumbersome. It's like it's the reason I'm playing. So I don't like climb. I, I don't like the free climb so much. without stand up. It is a little bit unfair to Horizon that like the sequel is now being compared to Zelda only because the original came out at the same time Zelda did. Like no, right. no one's talking yeah, about other I mean, open world games in this context. And, and to be fair, like people love Horizon. Like it, yeah. you don't yeah. have to compare oh, yeah. it to other things. And they and so more of the same for Horizon is absolutely what most people that I've talked to that like Horizon would want. Right. So yeah, I think it, you know we're, we're goofing on it a little bit, but like man, that gameplay demo was incredibly impressive. Like I, I'm so excited to see more and more sort of next gen only games that aren't um aren't shackled to like the ps4 and xbox one and sort of what we can do for games like you know i don't know we're, we're toe dipping into that more and more, more often now with games, and uh that's only just going to continue to be more and more impressive as we go and they did remember- add the, the uh hover glider and the paraglider so there is at least <laughs> that breath of the wild experience of getting as high as you can and then just taking yeah. in the world as you hover down i like that mm-hmm. a lot Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems really fun. Uh, but remember, Justin, this one is coming to PS4. Oh, it is? Forbidden West. What? Really? <laughs> exclusive. Yeah. Really? Although the gameplay demo they showed today was captured on a PS5 and looks mm-hmm. great. Yeah. I Extremely completely lush. missed that. I'm really surprised. Like, I, it, mm. Yeah. It was also interesting because the countdown timer was a bunch of different shots of the world. And of course, the mm-hmm. world in an open world RPG is so important. And uh, I, it was tipping a lot of desert locations and sort of frozen wastelands, which I was picking up on from the title and what little we know about the plot synopsis. But man, I, I got 
Ghost of Tsushima feels uh, from seeing all the different biomes at play. And I just can't wait to explore the world. Yeah, it looks very various. There was a part where she fell underwater and you're immediately in like a Finding Nemo-esque world Mm -hmm. of coral and sea creatures. And that's a big deal. Awesome. Swimming is an added feature, right? Because you couldn't swim in the first one. She has has the Star Wars underwater breathing things so you, she can be underwater for as long as you want oh i yeah. was wondering about that she held her breath for a mighty long time and talked yeah. to herself a bit yeah <laughs> and did you guys catch it's at least partially set in san francisco yeah oh how did you was it seizure tower i was in the after the gameplay when they were exploring explaining some stuff oh, oh well, they, they also show okay. they they showed the golden gate bridge <laughs> oh they did show the bridge okay yeah i, I missed that part well, I guess it's so ruined that like it's a ruined suspension bridge and my mind went to Golden Gate Bridge. But, you know, I, I would need to check the landscape to see how much that matches up one to one. That makes sense. So you also see rusted out trolley cars nearby, which is very San Francisco. I love yeah. you get trolleys so anywhere else. Yeah. Try to find some trolleys in another city. And I was honestly surprised in that final boss fight with the giant Megadon or whatever elephant thing, uh, how much of the environment was destructible. Did you notice that? Was that? So that was so really cool. cool. Yeah. That's yeah. that's part of why, like, when my eyes widen, where you're like, this is coming to PS4, I'm like, I don't, I mean, I guess it's, like, highly scripted, so maybe it's not that tough, but it's, like, parts of that demo felt really hard to even envision how they would scale that back to a last-gen console. Um yeah. The Raiders riding the elephant gave me a uh, real Lord of the Rings vibes. Yeah. With the elephants. Elephants. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, that's when Horizon is really at its best, in my opinion. And that's my enduring memory of what I liked most about the original was just taking down those huge beasts and um, in a really different way than like, other games have you fighting giant monsters like a God of War or a uh, or a Shadow of the Colossus, like tying them down with ropes and circling around them and finding their weak spot. Like that's really, really bold original gameplay that like as conventional as some of the stuff like the dialogue and quest design and world design was like, man, it's so shined so well and was so confident in 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 all that aspect of its gameplay. And I'm so pleased to see them leaning into that for the sequel. I, I'm only going to reference Breath of the Wild here because uh, <laughs> I know they didn't, they, they were co-developing in it. And so they both get credit for this, but I love that aspect of the first game where you'll walk by something that's way too powerful for you. And you know that at that point, and you're like, okay, I'll come back and kill this later. And like, you know, mm-hmm. early on in, in, in the game, you'll, you'll see a giant, you know, T-Rexy thing and be like, okay, I'll just, I'll come back for that. I love that feeling, you know, because you can also try to take it on. Nothing's stopping you. Yeah. My, my other memory of Horizon is that it was pretty tough. Like, not like shockingly tough, but for like a, for a big AAA game, like it wasn't afraid to like beat you down in a way that some of them just kind of want to gently carry you through yeah, uh, the first a friendly dungeon-y, adventure. There's like these dungeon runs and some of the very first one was really hard. Like it just mm-hmm. was really hard to get through on the normal setting. And, and I had to learn how to basically, it's one of those games where like, you're like oh, I'm probably doing combat wrong if I'm having this much mm-hmm. trouble with it. Yeah, you really got to get pretty decent at aiming the bow and arrow if you're going to dispatch anything in an efficient manner, which is so as many we should give as much credit, you know, as many swings as maybe they didn't take with traversal, although also grappling hook, we should mention, has been added. Uh, They took so many swings with combat and Mm -hmm. I got to replay, certainly, because there's a lot of fun sci fi nonsense and I want to re remember it all. See Lance Reddick again uh, before I dig into Forbidden West. But uh I don't recall if it was the case in Zero Dawn, but 
the combat feels like it's even been refined further. Like the combos and stuff felt, felt so crisp. And I remember the combat blowing me away the first time around, but mm-hmm. also thinking I cannot wait for the sophomore installment of this IP. Cause that feels like you have all your assets, you're taking a victory lap and just building a castle on the foundation you're already laid. So I think a lot of people are expecting big things from this game. And I think we won't be disappointed from what I saw today. Were you yeah. surprised? Were you surprised that we didn't get any idea, no release date or any idea when we will get to play it? Not overly surprised, given that I think we still are in the grace period of the afterglow of, you know, I'm in a new a special undisclosed location because I finally got vaccinated. So I'm seeing my family. I know a lot of people are making that transition, but we have an all and uh, I still Obviously, game development cycles being what they are, still going to cut people slack for quite some time to come with delays and stuff. So if you're like game is about to get delayed because of the shifty, horrible production practices, now's the time to just slip that in with the news mill. Because I think I think we are accepting of, OK, there, I mean, I am. I can't speak for gamers at large who are often characterized as highly demanding. But personally, even though I am feeling a drought right now. Uh, as long as it's on the calendar and it's coming out, time flies. You know, it'll be here soon enough for me. Man, do you think you're feeling a drought right now? I feel like everything's really picked up. Yeah, same. Just recently, um, just recently, yeah. Do you think the fact that we didn't get a release date means it's not coming out this year? Would we have gotten it? I mean, now they have to. Have I mean, s- it's May. I would think they'd have to have something big for the fall. If it's not Horizon, you know, I don't think God of War is ready. I think that we've seen a shift from release dates for the fall around E3 being a really common E3 thing to like, that's a thing they hold off on more than showing gameplay and other things. And then you get like a, you know, a window or like a more narrow date, like kind of in the, like it's like fall, fall release dates for fall. Like it's it's a weird thing that I've Mm -hmm. noticed. Yeah. Agreed. And I also wonder how much of that is just like a confidence interval of like, you know, maybe they are still trying to target target fall, but they want to give themselves a chance to like push it should they need to. Yeah. And, you know, like, delays are the worst news, right? It's like the worst part yeah. of the news cycle for a game. So I think that's like really, really people are really delay averse right now. You can't um, you can't delay a game if there's never had a been a release date for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a good point. Uh, anyway, like it was he- the gameplay uh, for uh, the gameplay demo for Horizon Forbidden West looks very cool. Definitely check it out if you haven't seen it yet. Moving on to Xbox, we now it's official Xbox and Bethesda's game showcase at E3 will take place June third, June thirteenth. That's a Sunday at ten a.m. Pacific. We do know it's going to be a joint showcase. So there's not going to be separate conferences for Xbox and Bethesda. Is that tell you sam we'll begin with you does that tell you that uh because does that tell you that xbox really wants to showcase its bethesda games now or does that tell you that bethesda doesn't have as much to show yeah i think it's the latter i think that putting together a full show for bethesda you know always seemed you know like they're making it and their shows are good i mean there's nothing wrong with it but they always have four games coming out or something you know whereas like i hope xbox has a complimentary you know, set of games and like I think it'll just make that that show really really cool and they all realize that together. I, you know, and I think they need to get to toot their horn a little bit. This will be the first time they get to actually show off that Bethesda is a part of Xbox now, and you know, like that that's it's a really competitive move, and I'm really excited about it. Maybe that's why they sold the company because they didn't have many games. 
Yeah, they're like we don't want to do another E3 press conference this year. <laughs> yeah, just, they're like we can't we can't, can't spend someone tw- else do it. <laughs> twelve twelve minutes on Elder Scrolls um, yeah. online, like Elder Scrolls we don't blades. we can't do it. Yeah, blades, yeah. Wolfenstein DLC. Yep, there's gonna be a ten minute long fan appreciation. But but I think that takes the pressure off of them to have like a tease of you know the really big Bethesda games that people care about, maybe. But they have, I, I hope we see something like that. I mean, it, like, we'll probably, like, hopefully, I'm assuming we're going to get Starfield. Like, it hadn't even crossed my mind that we wouldn't get Starfield, even though I don't think it's been, like, confirmed. So it's like, maybe I need to temper my expectations there. But, like, one or two really, really strong beats for Bethesda in and amongst, you know, Gears of War, Halo, Fable. Like, that's a really, really strong conference. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of rumors about Starfield. Uh, IGN's own Ryan McCaffrey has uh, gone on record saying he he predicts Starfield will be there, and that in in just sort of a, a an official reveal of uh, of the game, let us know what it is, and then let us know that it's coming maybe late 2022. In terms of like what the big focus is, though, Xbox is it going to be? I mean, it's going to be Halo Infinite again, right? Yes, I mean Hopefully it has to a be new showing from Halo Infinite <laughs> yeah. to sort of reset our expectations. Yeah, I think well, that's in order. And you know what we didn't see, although you know the campaign and the open world is obviously a huge focal point for that game, but they they haven't we haven't really seen multiplayer. So it's like that would be one way to like they could get away with showing it off a second time in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I noticed uh, in the clip package, I do not recall was Senua's. No, they, that was Team Ninja, right? Senua's uh, well, sacrifice. Um, yeah, Hellblade Two. Hellblade Two. Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to Senua's isn't that, sacrifice. Isn't that Ninja Theory? Ninja Theory. I apologies. Thank you so much. <laughs> Ninja Theory was acquired by Microsoft in 2018. Yeah. Was that one of the ones that was announced with you know when they piled on like the 15 well, game developers they just announced all of a sudden? Yeah. Well, yes, probably. Anyway, all I know is she's there in the B roll, and it's Xbox. a good looking game. Xbox and PC. Um, if we had to rank like what people wanted most out of Bethesda, it's is it Elder Scrolls, Starfield, Fallout? Do you think in terms of interest now? Because Fallout's kind of fallen off a bit. No, I mean Fallout's still you know an established IP uh, property, mm-hmm. established game series. I think you know that would definitely be more popular than Starfield, which is like a big question mark to everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Elder Scrolls would be of the most that'd yeah. be most interesting, right? Yes, but I also I think-, think we're the most susceptible to little echoes of buzz and rumors, you know, because yeah. we're just so in tune with it day to day that Starfield feels very exciting to us, and I am yeah. super excited. But I think uh, if you took like the average of all gamers, they're definitely mm-hmm. down for another Fallout at mm-hmm. any time well yeah i mean elder scrolls is overwhelmingly number one skyrim you know each elder scrolls game has been bigger than the one before with skyrim really punching into like worldwide phenomenon territory but like but we know you know unless they pulled some sort of big switcheroo which is you know never impossible in e3 season like we know that starfield's their next big AAA game and that's the one that they've been in heavy production on for several years although i will say this november will be 10 years for skyrim uh, since its release, so it would be nice. Yeah, I know. I think nice uh, give us something. Yeah, it would be nice. And remember, Fallout Four and Seventy Six both uh, were shown at E three and then came out the fall mm-hmm. right after they were announced. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I can't really imagine a new game like Starfield coming out this fall. But like that's their pattern. So that's what I'm most excited about. I mean, Fallout Seventy Six was like four years ago. You know, so we're due for another big game from the from you know Todd Howard Studio. Um, 
man, 10 years ago for Skyrim, that like stuff like that makes me scared about like video games and just how hard it is to like make a video game in 2021. Like, you know, both fallouts had like tons of leaks too. Like everybody was like, there's nothing about these other games. That's why I just wanted to ask, um, you know, this is the first E3 in two years, even though it's a digital event. But it seems like there are much fewer leaks in general leading up to this. I mean, nobody's taking planes and working in coffee shops. That's what I was going to ask. Is it that? Is it is because no one's setting up booths that someone can snap a photo of? Something like Looking that. Looking over their shoulder while they work on their laptop. Yeah, they I just mean, don't nothing is going up on yeah. the Figueroa in downtown LA. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and physical copies of like um, posters and standees aren't going to GameStops and Walmart. That's another source of leaking because yep. people are just ordering at home. Like, there's actual <laughs> reasons. But retail and, and you know production reasons why there's not less leaking. Yeah, it's interesting. Let um, me ask uh, yeah, the group, ahead. if I may, real quick. Are you enjoying that? Do you like a lot of leaks leading up to a game you're very excited about? Or would you rather have it unleashed upon you in a surprising way that's no longer possible given our careers? But if you could. <laughs> well, I guess I want it both ways because like leaks are exciting. Yeah. But then I also want to be surprised when it's time for the big show. Just you know? blank your mind and play it. Yeah. I just want to make sure everybody's working on something, you know, like you just want to make sure that there's something going on in the background. They're not just taking the, the four years off, you know, it just helps. Yeah, sure. I like, I like the, I like it's the just a joke. I know game developers are working very hard at passion <laughs> projects. Yeah. The, uh, the, the dopamine hit that you get like the very first time, like, look, we know that there's another Mario game coming. Like we know that, (laughs) like, I don't have insider information, but like, of course there's going to be. So it's like, in no way should that be a surprise, but you still get that feeling the very first time you see it and feel it. And like, what's the logo and what's the name and like, what style of game is it going to be? And like, I still feel that way about all my, you know, beloved franchises. Like that stuff's just like a part of me now that like, yeah, I can't wait. And I also feel that way about when, you know, studios and developers that I really like and respect also do something brand new and present us a new vision, like, you know, like Horizon, for example. Um, like, it's just, it's great. It's a great time of year. And I don't necessarily care if it's leaked out in drips and drabs or if they keep it all under wraps and then we see it all in a really tightly controlled package. So we've gotten teaser trailers for both a new Fable and a new Perfect Dark. Which one? Oh, I, shoot, I forgot about Perfect Dark. Yeah. Never forget. Which one is more likely to get a, a, a bigger reveal at E3? Personally, I would, I would love to see Perfect Dark. I think it's going to be. Fable's a bigger franchise. I think you know the answer is Fable. <laughs> I, I think Fable's further heart. along. Well, I was going to say Fable, but then that's, um, I don't know if this has been confirmed or if it's still just a rumor that Playground is making at the Forza studio. Hmm. Um, I, I can't recall if that's just scuttlebutt or if that oh, was ever. Playground oh, games. Oh, there is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was rumored for a long time, and then they then they officially confirmed it. And so uh, my assumption is that Fable's farther along and is more likely to be sort of get a full reveal. Except I think we're also expecting a new Forza this year. So now it's mm-hmm. like now I'm not quite sure. Now I don't know what to expect. And then who? Gosh, I can't hardly keep this stuff straight. Is it um? What do you call it? The the Gear Studio? Are they the ones making Perfect Dark? The Initiative. The Initiative. New studio. Right. So don't expect Banjo-Kazooie Easter eggs. <laughs> I mean... I always expect them personally. In there. Um, sorry, to get back on track and get back to your original question, Damon. I think we're more likely to see Perfect Dark than okay. Fable, because I, um, I think Playground has to get Forts out the door first. Can we get a wide shot on Swam's cat? 
Yeah, I saw the cat tail go by. Got some cat action. I don't oh think we've God. ever met your cat. Oh. This is Lou and Davis. She likes to ride on my shoulder. I was trying not to Goodness. distract too much. Sorry, have, you ever heard the, uh, have you heard the interviews with the Lou and Davis, uh, well, with the Coen brothers, talking about the cat actors they had to use? And there's multiple. There's like a bunch oh. of cats ideas. And they yeah. said they'll never work with animal actors again. <laughs> yeah, just like... Uh, Matt and Trey with puppets. They were like, we're yeah. never doing that again. Yeah. Yeah. But the cat, I mean, the cat's amazing in, the, in that movie. It, it's so, mm-hmm. the, the cat actors are amazing. Like, like there's like outdoors, subway running around scenes and stuff. It's crazy. Well, the Coen we, brothers could direct a phone book and get yeah. it to do anything they wanted, in my opinion. But back yeah. on track, video games. <laughs> I like that, that um, like cat actors. It's just, you're, it's just a cat. Yeah, just you describing get, you a cat, cat to do any of the thing. You have to get a bunch of lookalike cats that are going to do the thing you want. So you got your sleeper cat, you got your friendly, like you know, hold on your shoulder cat, you got the run through people's legs and not get freaked out cat. Yeah, Damon, that reminds me of the. Uh, yeah. the <laughs> I was just no. going to say, many years ago, Justin and I went to a cat circus. Yeah, we did. It was great. What was the wildest trick that a cat performed? They, they, they don't have, do anything. Like they don't do. <laughs> it's like they had a band. They had a band and oh, is this the uh, it did the play the guitar, the something cats, yeah, yeah. the rock cats, something yeah. like that. Yeah, and one of one cat would bat a cymbal and one of them would hit a, <laughs> a, a, a kick drum, and I think yeah. one of them hit a triangle. And that was their big finale, yeah. <laughs> All of them are just frantically like swiping at whatever thing they're in charge of. I mean, I think it takes a lot to get a cat to go from place to place and be in front of an audience and just be chill. So, just yeah. the fact that they do anything is pretty amazing. It was also like the most sympathetic audience. I would say that, Damon, I don't know what your memory is. I think about one third of the time, the cat just did nothing and didn't do the trick yeah. at all. And then sometimes I, would wander out into the crowd. And yes, then every, yeah. everyone's everyone's just so delighted and happy to be there that nobody even cares. They're just like, oh, a cat. <laughs> the, the saddest part is that, you know, the, the show was oh. perfectly fun. But then we went yeah. to dinner nearby afterwards yeah. uh, with our, our wives. And then when we were walking back to where we parked near the theater, there was a U-Haul truck parked outside and the cats were just all running rampant inside the U-Haul truck, like inside the... There was just a burly guy hurling cats into the back of the truck. They just have these cats, they just spend the night on the streets of, in the Tenderloin in San Francisco in this U-Haul truck. I forgot about that. You know what though? (laughs) That's like, that's a pretty good cat life from what I know about cats. (laughs) This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. 
Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, anyway, getting us back on track. Um, PlayStation is developing an AI agents that will play games with you. Um, this is a quote from Sony. Sony AI, which we established last year, has begun a collaboration with PlayStation that will make game experiences even richer and more enjoyable by leveraging reinforcement learning. We are developing game AI agents that can be a player's in-game opponent or collaboration partner. These game AI agents may be related to a recent patent from Sony entitled Automated Artificial Intelligence Control Mode for Playing Specific Tasks during gaming applications. The system is described as an artificial intelligence that is able to simulate human gameplay based on a play style learned from a human user. My question is, does this sound like fancy bots? Because bots are nothing new. Yeah, I think it sounds really cool. I, first of all, I want Swaim to repeat back how much of that he was just able to hear and absorb. <laughs> fancy bots, something cat. about really fancy robots. I got the gist. I saw some uh, fancy butts when that cat crawled over his shoulder. Nice. Um, it does, I do struggle to delineate that between bots, but if mm -hmm. it creates, uh, you know, a greater simulation of someone who's playing on my side and doesn't talk to me i would enjoy that <laughs> yeah your side. i mean there's 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 definitely some truth to like the fidelity of games keeps getting better and better and better in every single way right like you know animation graphics you know whatever voice acting but like they still don't feel very smart and very good mm -hmm. like and and even you know even if it is you know good ai in in air quotes like it's still usually pretty scripted to be good like it, you know it's the heavy hand of like the developer like true sort of human feeling either companions or opponents um would be a holy grail like that would be such a great innovation to have really take off this gen to to really make it you know realistic in competition you'd have to have uh, uh, a single AI and then an AI sibling on the split screen <laughs> shouting yeah. next to the the AI's headset microphone. And yeah. then it would be like really, you know, yeah, realistic. You'd have to uh, you'd hear him taking bong rips and stuff in your headset. Yeah, and the other AI has to have a much higher voice. Yeah. But it's just filthy mouth. Just Sam. filthy mouth. <laughs> yep. Well, but the, remember the 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 improving of the experience there is that you know that these humans don't actually exist, and so the world is going to be okay. It does feel like, and I want to preface this with I don't know shit about machine learning, <laughs> but like the tiny amount that I do know and understand, feel like you know, game AI and opponents feels like a really really great candidate for that for feeling more human like like 
you know, learning how to react and uh, respond to something through, you know, repetition and through the experience of, you know, many tens of thousands of gamers going up against them in a multiplayer match or whatever. Like, again, maybe there's a million reasons why that may not be right, but like, I don't know, makes sense to me. I don't want to play games with real humans, so I definitely don't care about playing with ones, you know, robot simulating humans. We're going to talk about that in a sec. No, I I think I covered the topic. (laughs) Got it. Um, we should point out that there's been many of these uh, patents from Sony and PlayStation that we've covered recently um, that have yet to come to fruition. There was a patent where they were working on a a game help system that would recommend microtransactions to you. uh, Who's behind you, Damon? Oh my gosh. Speaking of, why are you up on the desktop, (laughs) Same? Oh my goodness. Look at that floof. We got a big cat today. This is the, the I tell you, that's everybody. the happiest captivity situation for a cat I've ever seen is you holding Same up like that. And then her eyes just glazing over and being like, this is right. Yep. Get her on the trapeze, make some money off that Listen. thing. <laughs> Get her to hit a symbol. You know, cats can be very standoffish and aloof, but if, if you have a human child, they're, <laughs> they become much more desperate for attention <laughs> and they're much true. better behaved. <laughs> uh, line. Somebody can be compared to. Yeah, Damon, you you talking about you know Sony patents um, reminded me. Remember when I guess it was a little over a year ago now that PS4 back button came out of nowhere, <laughs> and they released that they released yeah. that back button attachment for PS4 controllers, yeah. and everyone assumed like, is this to make things forward compatible with the PS5? Is that gonna have some weird back button? And then the answer was nope, nope, not at all. It just came out and then sold out immediately, and then it's just this weird. <laughs> This weird thing that you can glom onto your PS4 controller for no reason. Didn't they also patent a way you could turn a banana into a controller, potato, or like whatever you have laying around? I think that was a reason. There was going to be that. There was going to be like an AI friend that would like sit next to you on the couch and comment on your gameplay. That was another, (laughs) like like an actual robot you would buy and comment on your on you playing the game. I have that. It's called Rob, and he spun gyroscopes. And he's so mean. (laughs) (laughs) Let's share what we've been playing. I know I finished Resident Evil Village. I know Sam has finished it. Mm -hmm. Swain, did you did you go through Resident Evil Village? Finished it. Yes, indeed. Okay, Okay. and it's and Justin is not a big fan of spooky games. No, that game is made to be replayed though, which is really cool. Yeah, I so I considered starting a new playthrough, but there's just there's other stuff that I wanted to get to play. I started playing Mass Effect, which we'll yeah. talk about in a sec. Um, but first of all, Sam, what did you think of Resident Evil Village? Oh, I loved it. I think it's my second favorite game after Resident <clears throat> Evil Four and, and probably Five, which I for some reason like a lot. After Five, um, wow! I know, I know. It's most like Four though, and I think that's really cool. Uh, there are some cool twists in the end, and uh, gameplay is great. I. I normally don't think of them this way but like for a resident evil game i think it was a little short um just mm. because i was enjoying myself so much and i was getting in a groove and i didn't want it to end by that point um and it, they did a kind of uh ocarina of time <clears throat> twist where it's like and you just got through the first part of this game now here's the big thing like you know here's here's a big uh oh, big thing to explore and it didn't end up being that that big. Um, but what I do like about it is that the extended gameplay comes from beating the game, and then you unlock um, 
you know, some ways to play in new game plus, but you can play any new game. You can play any difficulty, which you can, or you can basically rack up these points to buy like crazy stuff, like crazy weapons and stuff. You can, you want to replay the game to like unlock crazy weapons and, and play. And they give you infinite ammo uh, as a type of unlockable for certain weapons. If you do these certain things, so you really, you, I started again on hard and you get a shotgun really early in the game. So I focused on unlocking infinite ammo for that shotgun. Yeah. Um, which was ended up being stupid because I could have just done it, which I restarted a third time on new game plus, which you actually just have all your inventory. And so you can unlock again. It's basically, you can start the game with infinite ammo on any difficulty and still get the credit for it. So it's a whole different game because it's really difficult. You don't have to worry about ammo anymore, but you can still get killed really easily. That's like a, a complete rebalance. And I think it's so fun. And I played a Resident Evil 4 on everything. I unlocked every single thing in that game. All the mercenaries, unlockables, beat it on every difficulty. I love it to death. So hopefully I can get a little bit more enjoyment out of this. Would you agree it's on the on the less scary side of Resident Evil's? No, I think it's I think it's on the um there's a lot more body deformation and horror that really got to me in this game, and I really didn't mm. like um I mean uh, this dislike in the like horror way but like there's disturbing stuff in the game so i thought that was cool um and then there's some tense moments but yeah i mean i think it, it's more like a series of vignettes like resident evil is usually like here's a scary lab here's a scary house that has this interesting antagonist in it you know they change it up a lot i thought that was cool yeah i thought this, the scariest part for me was house beneviento wasn't it cool it's also one of my favorite parts of the game. But yeah, Swain, what that, do you think? Oh, of? that's the Eventide Island uh, setup too, where it's just like yeah. let's take away everybody, let's take away all your stuff and reset yeah. you. Yeah, the the uh, House Beneviento, the part that everyone says is the scariest part, was definitely the scariest part. <laughs> but other than that, I agree with you that it lacked some of the classic tension of I can barely move. The zombie's getting very close to me. I have one bullet left. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that was just based on how much ammo I was able to pick up or being a slightly better shot than average during some portions or whatever. Um, and I, I really liked how it was actually split up episodically. I thought that was really cool. And for my money, that lack of tension didn't really bother me because I'm definitely not as much like an alien isolation or an RE7 type guy. I don't enjoy the running and hiding as much as I do feeling like I have some power to combat the situation. So I really love date uh, and I really love to remake. I think they're on a tear right now, frankly. Mm. Um, what'd you think of RE3 remake? RE3 remake, and I had never played RE3 actually originally, so I was just shocked at how short it was. What's the what was the general consensus when three actually came out? Was it considered? I think it's similar because it was w wonderful, like ju just as good gameplay as two, but short and sweet, you know. And then remember, two wasn't the lengthiest game, but but it, the remake had two paths to go through it, right. and I immediately played through those. Like, I loved playing that second path in it, even though it was barely different. It was just, like, a, a reason to extend the game, which I love about Resident Evil. I love the replayability of them. And I gotta say, I'm changing my order now. It's definitely four, two remake, five, eight for me. <laughs> eight, okay. Uh, wow. But yeah, they do seem... Eight seems to be the most geared toward replayability NRE has ever been, and I do mm. enjoy that aspect. Like, it's one of the first games, especially after seeing Mark Medina tweet about 
running through it over and over that I've been yeah. tempted to try and speed run myself because I feel like I do remember all the important maneuvers and strategies and yep. plot points. There was, it's small enough that you can keep the whole run in your head. Yes, exactly. Uh, and I'm starting to work my way through mercenaries and all the challenge stuff. And that's a lot of fun too. Mm-hmm. And then after Resident Evil, I moved on to Mass Effect, which mm-hmm. Justin is playing. Yeah, I am. The first one? Uh, yes, but only because I, I'm not trying to 100% it, but I'm, you know, exhausting every dialogue option. And I tweeted about this a little bit, too. I'm kind of treating the game a little bit like a tourist, like, you know, wandering around everywhere, sort of slow playing it, I guess. Um, so, you know, you can blow through. Mass Effect 1 is not a big game. And um, even if you're not trying to go fast, like if, if you're just following the story, like you'll get through that game in like 12 hours. But I think I'm at like 24 hours now. Um, and I am pretty close to the end. Uh, goodness gracious, what an amazing, amazing RPG. Um, you know, and, and Mass Effect one, it's sort of always been the weakest of the trilogy from a gameplay perspective, but in terms of player choice and actual role-playing and introduction to that world, like it just can't be beat. It's just perfect. And the remaster, uh, the, you know, legendary edition cleans up the gameplay. So it's like, even that's not really as much of a headache or pain anymore. So, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I knew I would enjoy myself because, you know, who doesn't love Mass Effect, but I'm enjoying it kind of even more than I expected to. Right. Yeah, I'm still in the Citadel. So very early, but, you know, I, I have not played the original Mass Effect, any of them since they first came out. So it's been a yeah. long time and it's been so nice <laughs> to revisit. Um, it's, it's definitely like still like fun and very playable today. Um, of course, a lot of that is through my nostalgia and it's, it's transporting me back to what 2007 when I was very early in my days at IGN. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's like, I'm, I'm getting a lot of good feelings from that, but man, the music is so good. The writing is so good. Looking back on it now, I don't think I appreciated at the time how much yep. like world building and lore mm-hmm. they put in that game. And like the, it's the best filled with all these stories about the different races and planets and all the systems and like what, they could make so many yep. stories based in this world. Why aren't there like movies and TV series already? I, think, for this stuff? I think it probably yeah. has, I think it probably has the best, most thoughtful lore yeah. out of probably any game ever. Maybe like, it's certainly up there. Cause like it all just fits. It's like, Oh, of course this is how Turians are and like what yeah. their background is and history is. And like, you know, the Asari being an all female race, they don't describe themselves as female because they don't, you know, they're all that one, you know, that one gender, but like, it's it's it just all fits together perfectly and feels so logical and then um kind of gets squandered a little bit yeah. as uh, the franchise goes on um but but it all comes together so perfectly in mass effect one and they built a um, galaxy and then left that galaxy for andromeda which i think is just the funniest choice yeah. um, you're totally right and i wanted to shout out like something i used I, I think i've already talked about this on the show but just real quick something like i used to like kind of like bag on the game for is that it, it is an amalgamation of existing mm-hmm. sci-fi stories. Um, and it's, it's just like Skyrim is for fantasy. Like it's very referential, but it's not veiled very much. I don't think it's like, you know, it's not plagiarism. It's more like um, it's more like, you know, in jokes and references. And then also just like, it, it has an overall tying of everything together, which is mm-hmm. its own thing. So I'm yeah. like, these are a bunch of sci-fi geeks and i really respect you for putting this together this way i don't think the people should do games like this all the time and i i wouldn't like it like fallout does the same thing right it's like oh yeah. this is a this is a scenario that you've seen somewhere else but here it is in the fallout world that's a very common way of putting together these big open world games 
We yeah, like, if you great. dig enough into Halo lore, you also run into that same thing where you're like a yeah. lot of the deep lore are clever homages to time-honored sci-fi tropes that still pack a wallop and they're great. Mm -hmm. But I don't think even the designers would claim, no, I've never seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah, It's like they know what they're doing. And you get that feeling from the codex entries. Well, there's never never been a game that I've played that had a better, like there's an in-game reason that actually makes complete sense. Like in every way it makes sense and is integrated into the world so naturally if like why your guns don't have ammo, like why some characters have special powers, like all of that feels natural and none of it feels like a gamey justification. It's just a part of the world. Um, It's incredible. And I've also, I have a newfound appreciation for the level of player choice. Um, You know, it's sort of like, Oh, you can carry your save game over and then it reflects your choices. And everyone's like, that's neat. But it's like, games don't, the only other game to even try to do that was the Witcher. And it didn't do it half as good as mass effect did. Like Mm. it's on a completely different level in its ability to sort of respect and reflect the choices that you made and the shepherd that you built up. And like, frankly, the super weird game states you can get yourself in with like, I'm a renegade shepherd, but like, or I'm a, I'm a paragon shepherd. I'm a good guy, but everybody's dead. And I killed Rex and like, and like, that's why, you know, mass effect three, I'm not, like everybody else i don't like it as much as the other one but like bioware got themselves into a situation where there is not one mass effect 3 there's 15 different mass effect 3s and like it's unbelievable that it works at all um you know even though even though it doesn't rise to the heights of of one and two um and that you can play as male like even before you start talking about like well you you know this character lived or died you can play as male shepherd or female shepherd as a good guy or a bad guy so it's like that's four really different paths that that you're on from just a game production standpoint it feels unbelievable that it exists at all it makes sam do you think oh sorry go ahead i just want to ask sam if he thinks he'll play a legendary edition yeah i obtained it and i plan to play it (laughs) go ahead swain Oh, same. But I was just wondering, it makes you wonder if Andromeda almost was a reaction to the fact that Mass Effect does feel, uh, bouncing off what Justin said, very much like a branching pathway. And they tried to do a very unique thing and maintain some of those, the momentum of some of those story decisions through multiple games. And if you branch pathways too many times, I feel like there has to be a point where the story is too unwieldy to program into a game or like conceive of and i wonder if andromeda was almost a way to like look we got to start the story over if we're going to do this trick again because we can't keep branching and branching and branching Uh, and of course the infamous like red light green light thing i think is another Mm -hmm. pinch point where they're almost trying to and a bunch of the branches narrow to this point so that we can manage the storylines again Uh, so i I don't know that i could have done any better even though they get a lot of (laughs) flack for some of those story pinch points they um i've always been a mass effect fan playing through it again fresh has made me a bigger fan and i have a bigger appreciation of what bioware was able to pull off from a narrative design standpoint although they really man the end the end of three is a mistake um yeah, yeah and because there's so so okay so the whole thing is you you have the choice you choose how to end and resolve this conflict in this game so then the reason andromeda exists the way it does swaim is because they're going to have to invalidate two thirds of people's endings to continue the story in the Milky Way galaxy. Like, and, and I think they have no choice. They just have to tear off the bandaid and say, look, Mass Effect 4 makes the assumption that the destroy ending mm-hmm. is canon. And, you know, we apologize to the people that picked the other two. But like, 
you know, I get it. It's a whole franchise built on player choice. So let's give them a choice of how to end it. But um, but then they really boxed themselves in when it came to continuing that storyline down the, down the road. Number um, two, like it, they built such a big world that they only shrink it by having the storyline involve the yeah. galaxy being destroyed in every game. They could absolutely do spinoff games that are amazing set in this world. Yeah, I, and, and, and I hope that is what they do, either spinoffs or Mass Effect 4. Like, look, people will be mad. They'll be mad if they say this ending of, the, of 3 was the canonical one, not the other two. But, like, it's worth it just to continue getting to enjoy this universe that they've created. And then they can, you know, they can learn from that mistake and do player choice in a little bit different way next time around. There's the backstory that I think it's the Quarians made the Geth. Mm-hmm. To be like servants, basically, and yeah, soldiers. It's the same Geth, thing as uh, Battlestar. But the Geth self-evolved. Yeah, but still, I, I, they self-evolved. And there was a war between the Koreans and the Geth. And the Geth won. So yep. I want to see that. I want that. I want to watch that play out, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And that's just one of hundreds of little stories I could tell. Mm-hmm. I also played a little bit of Biomutant. And oh, you did? I, yeah, and I do agree with uh, um, our reviewer, who I think gave it a six. It definitely mm-hmm. felt like a six, maybe a seven. Uh, if it got better, but yeah, I was I was surprised. It, it the, tonally, it's completely different from what I was expecting. It's goofy and silly. There's a narrator that narrates everything you do, and you just everything. want to shut up. <laughs> Are you playing it, Swim? Yeah, I'm about six hours yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Did you know you can turn down the narrator, like the how much he narrates? Oh, weird. My, my issue is deeper than that. It's that you have to double click X. Because the people talk in like weird bug snacks voices or Mario ask gibberish or Banjo Kazooie, Banjo Kazooie, yeah. and then your little automaton translates it. So yeah. you have to double tap to advance text, and <clears throat> it's pretty long winded. You often want to advance text, yeah. but if you hit it just wrong, it skips text that you wanted to read because it wasn't sure whether you were skipping this or the translation. Uh, it yeah. it's way less polished than i expected it to be well yeah, it doesn't feel like a, a triple a game today to me does that mean that it has you know a year of fixes and updates and bug fixes and then it's like you know on, on game pass and we can all try it or something yeah i can see that happening if we were in uh, the drought that we we're in in like february i would have spent more time with it yeah now, exactly like resident evil and mass effect i'm i've got other things that i'd rather play yeah yeah i mean some of the choices of that game just come down like you know it's a small game it really is an indie game that's kind of like trying to punch up into a different sphere and like you know that doesn't always work and so um you know that part i understand the choice just have the game talking so much i watched some gameplay it's just like why are you talking to me so much it's 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 crazy it's 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 pretty nuts especially when i'd say the most pleasure i've gotten from the game is the exploratory nature and seeing the you know different little cartoony like biomes they've built like an irradiated factory or whatever and uh that is fun but the constant monologue over it kind of totally detracts from the kind of like breath of wild feeling you get when you crest a you know crest a ridge silently Mm -hmm. and see something huge swimming through the sky or what have you uh so yeah there's almost too much packed into it the combat doesn't feel tied together as uh cleanly as it could be I'm enjoying it enough to keep playing it. I think a six is right about right. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed to have like okay. what you were talking about with setting. It seemed to have like a little bit of a Pikmin vibe where it's like, oh, this is what, what you know, this universe is like inhabited by smaller things. And there's some kind of ruined aspects of human culture here. Like, what is this? That's, that's interesting to me. Yeah, you are. You reminded small. me. Mm-hmm. 
what was that um the Pikmin like game that just came out, the indie one? Oh, uh, I got a night game. Yeah, they described it as is it called The Wild at Heart? Is that the right game? Um I don't know. Did you guys not see this game? It no. looks like an indie Completely it looks like an, it. It's an indie Pikmin where you have a little horde of beings that you throw onto monsters and fight them. Looks I great. saw the trailer for this and it looked great. The the style just looks amazing. Yeah. Have you gotten yeah. to play that, Justin? No, but it's on Game Pass, so I should at least download it and give it a shot. Came out um, May 20th. And I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think. I think they describe it as a... They have some really cute name for that genre of game. They call it like a horde-like or something like that. <laughs> it's, really, cool. it's, it's pretty cute. Yeah. If you figure out the name of it, let us know. The game's called The Wild at Heart. Okay. That brings us to Video Game 20 Questions. Uh, before we get to our... So I did cover week, that one topic. Oh. Wait, which one? We just Didn't, we had a topic we, about whether we like multiplayer games, and I yeah. made a joke about oh. it. Justin made a joke yeah. about it. We just ran out of time. I'll hold it for next week. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a little tip for you from CJ from Merry Old England. The English CJ mm. says, mm. I've got a little tip for 20 questions, players. May I recommend you ask more or questions? For example... If you ask, is this a sports platformer or a puzzle game? And the answer is no. You've just eliminated three genres with a single question. Is that allowed? That's just, Are we allowed to do that? That's still a yes or no question. Is it one of yeah. those three genres? Is this an action yes no? game, a platformer, or a sports game? Yeah. And then you narrow it from there if he says yeah. yes. Yeah. It's a good tip. That's a tip from Steve. All right. So, Michael, game. please cut all genres in half and start there. And <laughs> well, I'll do the other half. <laughs> I'm gonna, I picked up a tick tip from tina amini so in her in her honor and in her stead i'm gonna ask damon hold on oh hold on on. before sorry sorry. before we begin the questioning our suggestion comes from robert from florida and he says hello mega cops today i present you with a game that's in my top three of all time oh that's a really good that saves us a question that's the questioning let the questioning begin I do want to point out that we can, there's always an element of a sportsmanship in 20 questions because I think it only takes something like five or six questions to know the letter of the alphabet the game starts with. And like, we figured that out in like year one, year one of 20 questions and and then banned that technique. Sure. Mm -hmm. Asking any questions I think about, does it rhyme with, or the spelling is kind of poor sportsmanship, but I think this counts and is fair. Uh, Does this game feature dinosaurs? No. All right. Not at all. Trying to tie it to the A block. No. That's my tip. <laughs> yeah. <It's> the meta. <laughs> um, including robot dinosaurs. Is this game from after 2000? No. Is this game from, uh, from before 1990? No. 90s kids. Is this game a platformer shooter or fighting game <laughs> no that's oh, great it worked the tip works. system works <laughs> not a platformer shooter fighting game it's a 90s game was this game released on a 16-bit console initially no that's five sorry what were the three you asked platformer, platformer shooter fighting okay is this a um a sports Puzzle or racing. or racing game? No. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't is know this, what to do. 
Is this? Wait, 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 wait. I, it could be an RPG or a uh, yeah, brawler. Yeah, we're through. Okay. Is this? I don't know what to do from. Like, I wait. I what were the six genres? Sports, it, racing, platformer, shooter, action, fighter, fighter, puzzle. Okay, it's puzzle. RPG. Is this a? Well, probably so RPG. What's, um, is is this an RPG? Strategy. Is this a, is this an RPG or a strategy game? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> is this an RPG? Of a sort. Well, oh, waste of a question. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's what, important. We need to know. What era did we, we determine? 90s? 90s, but not 16-bit. W- uh, why is it not 16-bit? I, we asked that. Okay. Is this um, made in Japan? Yes. J, J kind of RPG. Was this originally released on the PS1? Yes, that's ten. I'll never get this. Good luck, everybody. <laughs> it's probably it's probably Suikoden. You could say Although right I'd... now, name one game that's not Suikoden because you already said it. That's an RPG on the PlayStation One, and I couldn't help you. Well, uh, just, there's I mean, some Dragon Fantasy Seven. Yeah, maybe it's Final Fantasy Tactics. I think that's exactly what I'm thinking. It probably is because Damon said it's an RPG of a sort, or it could be like mm. yeah, I don't know, like Parasite Eve or something like that. Soccer, I know that. I know that era of RPGs decently well, but I'm really thrown off by uh, Damon saying it's an RPG of a sort. What about Mega Man Legends? I don't think that's an RPG of a sort. Mega Man Battle Network is. Is it an RPG? Yes. <laughs> Maybe it's an action RPG. They also said it's yeah. one of their top three games of all time. I feel like Final Fantasy Tactics is a legitimate contender for that's, someone's favorite game. I mean, sadly, so is Mega Man Legends. <laughs> I mean, you could get into like, you know, uh, like the action RPG thing, like you could get into something like Symphony of the Night has, you know, you level up and has stats in an inventory system. Okay. Is this an action RPG? Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. We just had Symphony. Yeah, you're right. Um, What other PS1 action RPGs are there? Well, uh, it, it, um, Made in Japan. Is this a is this a series spinoff? No. Okay, so it's not Tactics or Mega Man. No, but it's a, it's an action RPG. Well, I guess Mega Man. Um, Did but it's this not a sp- IP no. debut on the PlayStation One. Yes. It is it published by? Do we so know it's if it's like published by new- Sony? Is that helpful? New franchise that started on the PS1. I want to know developer. They're Japanese. I don't really. I guess I'm thrown off a little bit. Be, well, okay. It could be like. A, Is there a Zelda like on that system? Yeah. What is it called? Shadow Hearts? Did I dream that? Am I allowed to. Shadow I keep Hearts. wanting. I don't know that one. I think so. Yeah, I think it's like an isometric. There's like a, there's like a Lundra. There was some Zelda likes in the PS1 era before other developers gave up and figured out that was too hard to do. Just everyone's figured out this one. <laughs> everyone's everyone's figured out the Metroidvania sort of game design school. But like, I want like Zelda Vanias. Like, I want there to be a million indie Zelda games. Yeah, Why aren't people doing that? I know. Um. If this was PS2, I'd go for like Beyond Good and Evil type games, but I can't picture what uh, action RPG was even like. On well, do we need to know if it's 2D graphics? 
So there was like Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance and, you know, like there's, there's different flavors of action RPG. Like there's Diablo likes, you know, dungeon crawlers. Um, oh, what about like fantasy or sci-fi? I can't think. Or adult oriented or kid oriented. Like yeah. Uh, is this aimed at teens and adults over kids, Damon? Yes. Can I ask so, the fantasy thing, or is that not helpful? I mean, I, I I'm already thinking like demon type, your hell based in hell or something with. But yeah, okay. you may as well ask. No, it's okay. It's worth asking if the series again. Is still like alive. this is not. I won't get this game. I won't either. Soul Reaver, Legacy of Cain. Yeah, yeah. Except good game. Yeah, yeah. Except it wasn't made in Japan, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, crap. Made in Japan. Backlit from that end, maybe. Do we need to know if it, this game has sequels? If it was just a one-off? Yeah, I'd like to know if it's, like, a series that's still going. It's interesting, like, when I picture action RPG or, you know, whatever, strategy RPG, I'm picturing a lot of spin-offs, And to know that it's not a spin-off is, mm-hmm. like, pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it could be a Lundra. I don't remember how that game played. I don't remember if it was turn-based or not. Well, would no, because it's an action RPG. So, what do you fully, I was going to say Saga Frontier, but fully traditional RPGs are out. And there were there were mana. There was a there was like Legend of Mana on the PS One. Should oh. we ask if you build a party? Could it be so? We know it's not a spinoff. But, a main, but that doesn't mean it's line, oh, mana. but it can't be Legend of Mana because that was obviously sixteen bit before. Mm. What about? Is it helpful to know if it's multiplayer or only one player? I just can't imagine it being multiplayer. Why well, I, I was I got stuck on the man games for a sec. Um, although I don't know that the PS one one was multiplayer. I don't I don't I don't I have no idea what to do with this one. This is uh, really hard for me. I'm feeling a little stuck too. Like this is my era. I just don't Party know how to question might be worthwhile. Okay, I'm going do you, for it. Go for yeah, it. Go. Do you build you do. a party in this game? No, that's fifteen. So it's it's just you. At the beginning of Chrono Trigger, you attend a party. That's true. That's true. And then uh, things things uh, spiral rapidly. I always like that description in a game. By the way, it's like then things spiral out of control. It's like yeah, that you're just it's describing like every work right. of fiction. That's, 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 that's a plot. Forward. Time goes. Um, so technically, it's... technically, everyone's a time traveler, just only going in one direction at the same time. I feel like um, it's more of an action adventure game that happens to have stats or, you know. Do you play as a up. human? Yes. I think so. Do, have we mentioned this game yet? No. Mm. And there's no dinosaurs in it. No dinosaurs. It's, it, the, have we, we mentioned it? No. Away. It's always a gut punch. Yeah. <laughs> um, you don't build a party. Just you, just an action RPG. Does this game like is like Diablo? No. So it's not that kind of action RPG. It's not isometric. You have one question left. Well, I don't want to use it on the last question, but I was going to ask if action's (laughs) turn-based. No, that wouldn't be an action RPG. It would be a turn-based RPG. Oh, right, 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 right. 
How about does we could ask? Does this have more than three sequels? I want to know. something about whether it's still alive or it was a one-off. I think yeah. would be useful. Yeah. Sometimes we ask if the developer is still around, or did the developer have an E3 conference? You know, it's probably like some probably something square. You know, back then. You already mentioned Parasite Eve. I did. Could it be Chrono Cross? It's Robert from Florida's top three. That's the giveaway. It could be Chrono Cross. I just don't know if that's a mainline. Yeah, it is. It's mainline. Yeah, it is. Uh, this franchise debuted on the. PS1, oh, you build a party, right? probably oh, a Chrono Cross, right? And and the franchise debuted on the PS One. And it's the first installment of a new thing. I, think. I don't know. I don't know. Damon can either start giving us clues or we can just end this. <laughs> it's true. You should, you should ask one more question. Sam's really beating himself up about it. <laughs> okay. We must end this. Uh, was this? I mean, I don't know what last question to ask. Okay. I, I, does, does this have a bunch of sequels? No. I mean, that makes Great. it even harder for me. <laughs> yeah. Harder. Some wish... random game this weirdo Robert from Florida likes. I don't know. <laughs> In hindsight, I wish you would have like narrowed down the gameplay a little more. Cause it's like, I don't know what am I picturing like a 2d side scrolling? Like what's a game that's like symphony of the night, but it's not symphony of the night because, um, because we just had that question like two weeks ago. <laughs> I could reveal the answer. Yeah. I think we give up, but I, I already know I'm going to be mad. Released in 1998, a single player action RPG developed by square. Nailed published it. by square electronic arts was Brave Fencer Musashi. I love that game. I hate myself right now. <laughs> I've never heard that game. game title uttered in my entire life. It's a great game. Did you say fencer? Yeah. Like, a, like a sword fence? Fencer? Yeah. He's like a, a, a great swordsman in, in ancient Japan. And he's brave. Okay. Yeah, that game was really Is cool. it a Zelda clone? No. It's kind of Zelda-ish. A little. I think they were even like... Um, the media was covering it as like Square's Zelda type game at the oh, time. Oh, okay. cool! Well, that is as a the game small we child. It's I the game we were dreaming of. Completely original. <laughs> that that era was just like peak SquareSoft. Yeah. Why like Fencer? Off. Why do they, Why don't they call him like Ninja or Samurai, or like some other sword wielding thing? I mean, I know, I don't know those are specific things, but fencing. Yeah. Now, Damon. Was the meta game between Brave Fencer Musashi and Horizon Forbidden West games that are good but have really clunky titles? Because I can see <laughs> yes. that connection. Yes, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I All was right. thinking. That's the meta. Great. And also, this game has to have dinosaurs in it. Yeah, um, it's probably a dinosaur level. There are monsters, but I don't think they're actually dinosaurs. Uh, and this is a game of this was a year that I uh, kind of, I don't know, snuck my way into E3 and when I played. Man, that on the on the show floor at E3. That's very nice. early. Yeah. The bad boy of gaming. <laughs> That's what they call it. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Robert from Florida. That's one of his top three games of all time. It's a good it's one. Like it's like it'd be worth a full re overhaul remake. Yeah, they, it never got a sequel, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at ign.com. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Michael Swain. Thank you, Justin. Thank you to Red working behind the scenes to make this show possible. My name is Damon. This is iChain Game Scoop. We're out.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.